Mockingbirds. Made possible by the generous support of the Birdwatchers General Store, Orleans, Cape Cod. Birdwatchersgeneralstore.com. By Vortex Optics. With the VIP warranty, their unlimited lifetime promise to keep you and your optic covered. Learn more at vortexoptics.com. And Beautyo Books, an independent, family owned bookstore carrying one of the largest selections of birding books in the world. Beautyobooks.com. And by Ocean State Bird Club. We're running new online talks about topics like owls and cuckoos to enhance your birding skills. Learn more by following us on Facebook and on our website, OceanStateBirdClub.org. Good morning. Welcome to our show number 823. Starting off with some good news for birds, this past Monday, the Biden administration reversed a policy imposed under former President Donald Trump that had dramatically weakened the Migratory Bird Treaty Act that's been protecting birds for more than 100 years. The previous administration had put an end to criminal prosecutions against companies responsible for bird deaths that could have been prevented. Interior spokesman Tyler Cherry says the Trump policy overturned decades of bipartisan and international consensus and allowed industry to kill birds with impunity. And he added that the agency will come up with new standards that can protect migratory birds and provide certainty to industry. Thanks to our friend Jeff Collins for first alerting us to this news. From our We Almost Got It Right department, on last week's show we welcomed uh, new Talking Birds ambassador Matt Valiga from Naperville, Ohio, and attempted to give a plug to his podcast, but kind of short-circuited the details. Here's a correction. Matt's podcast is The Birdie Bunch. That's B-I-R-D-Y. The Birdie Bunch. You can find it on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Audible, just about anywhere podcasts can be found. It can also be accessed through the Birdie Bunch website. And that's thebirdiebunchpodcast.com. And on their Instagram and Facebook pages. Meanwhile... I'm going If you're in Massachusetts or surrounding states and you're listening to us live or a day after our live broadcast, here's a heads up for you. The big annual Mass Audubon Birders Meeting continues virtually Sunday, March 14th and Monday, March 15th and features great speakers and presenters. Check it out at massaudubon.org. That's massaudubon.org. And that is the sound of our mystery Bird. Our mystery bird contest is presented by Red Start Birding. Red Start Birding is your new resource for birding optics, gear, and expertise. Great birding starts at redstartbirding.com. This is a preview of our mystery bird contest, the actual thing coming along in just a little bit. Beautiful prizes this morning include a fabulous feeder from Droll Yankees and a big bag of birds and beans bird-friendly shade-grown coffee. Our mystery bird is a small, slender songbird, white underneath and brown on top with a dark band across the chest, a small bill and long wings. Our bird, which breeds over almost the entire northern half of the U.S. and just about all of the continental U.S. along with most of Alaska and Canada, feeds on flying insects, which it catches in flight. That is our mystery bird. That should be the breeding territory that I'm talking about there. 
our mystery bird and our contest coming along in just a little bit. Extra, extra, read all about it. Some of the stories and videos right now on our website and Facebook page. Last week we talked about Wisdom the Albatross hatching another chick at age 70 plus. This week on our website and Facebook page, it's Albatrossian again, but this time in a somewhat less elegant way. We'll connect you to the YouTube video. A little disclaimer, you may have to watch a short commercial on that before the video plays. Talking about bird-friendly coffee, could it become the next green trend? If it does, that would be a good thing. We have a story about it, courtesy of the folks at studyfinds.org. And why is it that it's so hard to clean bird droppings from your car? Our Mike O'Connor addresses that topic, as only he can, in his latest newspaper column. And he even offers some solutions to the problem. We'll link you to his words of wisdom. Those are some of the stories on our TalkingBirds.com website and on our Facebook page right now. And don't forget to check out our Kids in Nature page for some terrific ideas about getting kids interested in nature and birds. That's our Royal Salute music for new Talking Birds ambassadors that we're welcoming this morning, including Paula Kubisak from Worcester, Massachusetts. Paula points out that she was paired with yours truly doing bird collision surveys around Boston Common in the spring of 2019. She says, I'm woefully behind in becoming an ambassador. All I can say is I've been doing my part flirting ever since. Picking up litter while birding. Thank you so much, Paula. And thank you to Nate Mullen from Goodlettsville, Tennessee. Thank you for the kind comments, Nate, and for becoming a Talking Birds ambassador. We have a little marching music here because we're marching toward a goal this month. Last week, we issued a special request for Talking Birds listeners to step up and help us reach a new milestone title of, or total, that is, of 600 members in our ambassadors family by the end of March. And thanks to some truly amazing response this week, we're off to a great start in doing that with, in fact, just 20 more ambassadors needed to reach our March goal. So we hope if you like the show, you'll consider joining the family. Easy to do via the Get Involved button at TalkingBirds.com. Skip the G, that's TalkingBirds.com. Still to come on our show today, we'll learn about some fascinating new research concerning birds' use of the Earth's magnetic fields in migration navigation. We'll talk with Dr. Richard Holland from Bangor University in Wales, United Kingdom. Meanwhile, our Mike O'Connor from Cape Cod will offer advice about the proper way to buy and use Niger, a.k.a. thistle seed for our backyard birds. And up next, a bird that takes a more modest approach to plumage than some of its relatives is now heading north from Mexico and Central America, and it's appearing now as today's featured feathered friend. Presented by Birdwatching Magazine, for more than a quarter century, Birdwatching has been North America's premier magazine about wild birds and birding. Come to the orchard in spring. Spring is coming, and so is the orchard oriole. A less spectacular relative of the Baltimore and the Bullocks and other orange orioles 
The orchard dials down that bright oriole color into rich russet. Adult male orchard orioles sport black plumage above and that russet color below with a black head and throat and russet patches on the rump and on the wings where the flight feathers show white edges. Females have no black plumage. They're greenish yellow with two white wing bars. Immature males look like the females but with black feathers around the bill and throat. The orchard is the smallest of the North American oriole species. Orchard orioles arriving mostly from Mexico and Central America should reach the Gulf Coast by the first week in April and will spend their short breeding season over most of the U.S. as far west as Montana and West Texas. Like its cousins, the orchard oriole builds a woven pouch for a nest that it suspends from a fork in a tree branch. And in some good habitats, a single tree may host the nests of several orchard oriole pairs. Orchard orioles don't visit seed feeders, but they may drink nectar from hummingbird feeders or feed on slices of oranges or offerings of fruit jelly. They're also insectivores, so in the right territory, lots of insect-hosting plants and shrubs may also bring some orchard orioles to your backyard. Icterus spurious, the orchard oriole, today's talking birds featured feathered friend. Welcome again. If you missed that website address, we hope you'll check it out at talkingbirds.com. Yes, no G in talking. Dr. Richard Holland is Director of Research in the School of Natural Sciences and Professor in Animal Behavior at Bangor University in Gwynedd, Wales, United Kingdom. He joins us now via Zoom to tell us about his international team's new research that has expanded our understanding of how migrating birds use the Earth's magnetic fields to find their way. Good morning, Richard. Good morning. Thank you very much for inviting me. You are Glad most welcome. Well, we're so glad to have you here. We know about birds using magnetic fields as pathways in migration, but if I understand correctly, your new research explains how they use those fields to get back on track if they're blown off course by something like a, a big storm. Is that kind of the gist of it? Yes, that's right. So we've known for a long time, since the 1960s, that birds could sense the magnetic field and use it as a compass. Mm-hmm. So to tell them which direction to go. So and obviously we've developed te- technological ways to do the same thing. Obviously we have magnetic compasses in all sorts of devices. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, a, on its own, a compass is only of so much use. So if you know where you're starting and you know where you're heading, then a compass can tell you the direction you need to fly. But if if you get knocked off course, as 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 you pointed out, could be the case with birds during migration. If you keep heading in that same compass direction, then you're not going to end up in the right place because you now need to be able to adjust your compass heading. So we've long known from a lot of experiments that have been done that birds, that uh, migratory birds don't just have a compass. They also have something that we think is akin to a map and to tell them where they are. Um, and that they can consult this map when when they've been displaced a long way from from their normal path, and and that map allows them to adjust their course and return back. But it's only, interestingly, it's only adult birds that can do this. Hmm. So birds, so small songbirds that make their first migration, don't have that map. 
if you huh. displace them, they keep heading in that direction. They only have the compass component. And that first journey that they make seems to give them the experience to interpret some cues um, that have been controversial for quite a while that tell them where they are. And so what, what, our, what our new research is, is revealing, and it's the latest in the line of experiments, is that it seems like the Earth's magnetic field, the different what we might call components, parameters of the magnetic field, um, which vary in a way that's in some ways quite similar to our Cartesian coordinate system. So the strength of the magnetic field gets higher as you approach the poles. So that varies on a, a north to south um, sort of uh, direction. And interestingly, something else that we've also looked at, which is the, what we call the declination of the magnetic field. So the difference between the magnetic North Pole, which isn't directly underneath the geographic top of the Earth. So, so the, the magnetic field direction, the direction to magnetic North varies approximately with, with your east-west position, longitude. So, so we think in principle birds could use this as a way to, to locate their position. But um, evidence for it had been quite scarce until maybe about five years ago when, when our team, uh, first my colleagues from Russia and Germany and then, then my team came on board as well, started to show that you could actually detect the, you could actually give birds magnetic fields that corresponded to different locations on the earth and they would respond as if they'd been displaced there and change their direction to, as if they were trying to get back to their normal migratory path. Wow, pretty amazing. I'm looking at a photo of the coil system that you used in this uh, uh, research here and, and it's uh, it's quite amazing. The birds, it's, it's to see how open it is. So the birds can see the sky, they can see all the surrounding areas, they can smell, uh, even see the stars. But yeah. you've shown they were really most powerfully affected by the magnetic field. Yes, it's, I mean, it's really actually quite remarkable and quite surprising that they're fooled by this. So what we do is we test them in... In, in a little round arena that we call an Emlin funnel, actually, after mm -hmm. the American scientist Stephen Emlin, who he was one of the, the people who discovered birds could use the stars as well as the magnetic field as a compass. Mm -hmm. And he discovered that if you put a migratory bird in these little funnels at uh, during the migratory period, they would hop around in the funnel, and it's got sloping sides, so they try and get out but then fall back down into the middle and they would actually generally tend to hop in the direction they were trying to migrate and it matched up very well with with the banding recoveries um, that, that we could see so it really did seem to be their real migratory direction that they were trying to show so so this is really useful for what we're trying to do because changing the magnetic field is quite challenging to do precisely and we need, as you described in the picture I gave you, we've got this thing, device called a Helmholtz coil, which is essentially just a series of wires wrapped around and you run electricity through it and that can change the magnetic field within them. And, and by doing that, we were able to put the birds in the Emlin funnels, change the magnetic field so that it looked like a different place on the Earth. Mm -hmm. And then the birds respond as if they've been displaced to that different place and their, their orientation in the funnel changes. 
So we call it a virtual displacement. Um, they, they don't leave the place we captured them in. They're actually on their normal migratory route. Mm -hmm. They're sitting in this Emlyn funnel, and as you say, they can, they can smell the same smells, they can see the same stars, they can potentially, I mean, the, the funnels do restrict vision to some extent, um, but everything else is telling them that they're still where they were captured on their normal migratory route, and yet they seem to adjust their behavior as if they've been displaced to a place that they've never been to. Mm -hmm. I wish we had more time, but I do uh, want to ask you if you can give us a, a pretty quick answer. What are some of the still unanswered questions after this research? Well, there are always more questions than answers, of course. <laughs> still, still what's, what we don't have for certain is a location for the magnetic sense. We, we have now very strong evidence that birds and many other animals can sense and respond to the magnetic field and change their behavior, but we still don't really know where the magnetic sense is located. It's, the, it's a sense without a receptor at the moment. And was thought to be, in, some, some uh, thought was that it was in the bird's beaks, but that's maybe not, not the yeah, thought so um, much. So there was, there was a series of electron micros microscopy studies that seemed to suggest this nice, neat, regular structure of essentially little compass needles in the bird, bird's beak, so little magnetic particles called magnetites. Mm -hmm. But then somebody else came along and took a closer look, and it turned out they would just actually waste iron in in cells called macrophages, which is sort of like the, the body's sort of waste product cleaner cells they they and iron is a waste product that we produce as well so so now we're not so certain about that we we still think that the beak is possibly a likely location because there's a nerve called the trigeminal nerve which is in humans if you touch your nose that's your trigeminal nerve in action in birds it's in the beak mm -hmm. and if if the trigeminal nerve is anesthetized or blocked then birds don't seem to be able to sense the magnetic field anymore mm -hmm. So it could still be in the beak, but also interestingly, there's a potentially competing, but also possibly complementary com com idea that it could be in the eyes. That wow. that reactions with a, with a molecule, a photoreceptive molecule called cryptochrome, mm -hmm. which is not involved in vision. It's actually involved in our daily rhythms. So sensing life for daily rhythms is another possible idea that the so magnetic field react to the the cryptochrome molecules and, and that is a, another potential way they see see the magnetic field fascinating stuff dr richard holland is director of research in the school of natural sciences and professor in animal behavior at bangor university in Gwynedd, wales uk richard thank you so much for being with us congratulations on your wonderful work we'll be following you and hope to have you back on again okay thank you very much nice to talk to you Coming up next here, it's our mystery bird contest in just one minute. The flutter of a tail feather. The flash of a wing bar in mid-flight. You don't always have a lot of time to identify a bird in nature, let alone to appreciate its beauty. But with Vortex Optics, you'll have the power to bring every wild moment closer. When you choose Vortex, you're choosing to have a partner in the field as passionate about nature as you are. Whether you're spotting old friends on the backyard feeder or packing for a once-in-a-lifetime trip to cross a few species off your life list, Vortex offers a full range of optics and optics accessories for every birder and every budget. 
And whether the birds are taking you to another state or another country, you're always covered by the Vortex VIP warranty, an unlimited lifetime promise to keep you and your optic covered. If you want to learn more, or if you need help choosing your next optic, give Vortex a call at 1-800-4-VORTEX or visit vortexoptics.com. Can you hear it? It's the sound of our mystery bird in our mystery bird contest. Clues here and some wonderful prizes upcoming. Our mystery bird is a small, slender songbird, white underneath and brown on top with a dark band across the chest, small bill and long wings. Our bird, which breeds over most of the entire northern half of the U.S., along with Alaska or most of Alaska and Canada, feeds on flying insects, which it catches in flight. That's our mystery bird, and the prizes include the cute chickadee feeder for just about any type of food from Droll Yankees, makers of the world's best bird feeders. Bonus prize, a big bag of our favorite coffee, Birds and Beans, the genuinely delicious coffee that actually helps save birds because it's grown under the natural forest canopy, providing food and shelter for birds on their Central American wintering grounds. Prizes there and clues and the sound of our mystery bird, and all you need to do now is call us and tell us what it is. And if you're not sure, we'll take a guess because the drawing will determine the winner. If we get no correct answer, 781-837-4900 is the number to call. That's 781-837-4900. As always, we urge you to call as soon as possible. So we'll have time at 781-837-4900. Meanwhile, we go almost live from the archive with Let's Ask Mike. Mike O'Connor in just one minute. Beautio Books carries one of the largest selections of birding books in the world. New, used, and rare books covering everything from backyard birding to general ornithology. From field guides to photography skills, biography, fiction, and humor. You'll find it all along with the knowledgeable customer service you've been looking for in one convenient place. Beautiobooks.com B-U-T-E-O Beautiobooks.com my name is Lori Lamb. I am from Forest Hills, New York. I love the Talking Birds show. Being a Talking Birds ambassador allows me to give back. I feel that I'm giving back to nature, giving back to birds, giving them a chance. Talking Birds listeners, we hope you'll join our ambassadors family. Just visit our website, click on Get Involved at the top of the homepage, and then choose the Become an Ambassador option at TalkingBirds.com. Michael Connor on Cape Cod. It's the legendary bird watchers general store. Mike is an expert on feeding birds in the backyard, having operated that store, if I'm not mistaken, for about 35 years now. We'll confirm that with Mike, but let's see if he's there first. Good morning, Mike. Oh, my God. Has it been that long? <laughs> I'm oh. guessing. Am I uh, close? Yeah, you are close. Yeah. Actually, next month it'll be uh, 36th year anniversary. Wow. So we're going to rent the Astrodome and have a big party for everybody in America. Oh, great. Yeah, the, you, know they, you know they tore that down a few years ago. Uh, oh, well, <laughs> all right. I'll have to think of a new place then. <laughs> okay. yeah, maybe the back parking lot at the store or someplace like that. Somewhere like that. Well, Mike, um, a friend of mine... Um, left some nitro seed in a feeder 
for a really long time in the Talking Birds garden. I mean, in a, some garden somewhere. Oh, and, a friend uh, of yours, huh? Yeah, it's a friend of mine who did that. I, but, uh, yeah, the, the seed, uh, he, my friend tells me, kind of kind of turned into mud. So that's probably not really that good to keep feeding that uh, birds. Yeah, that I just uh, see, yeah. tell your friend if yeah. you ever see him or her or, yeah. or him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, now you see... It, there's a seed that we call thistle seeds. A lot of people, especially in this area, call it thistle seed. Yeah. Goldfinches really tend to like. So do uh, pine siskins and red poles and chickadees in the summer. It's a seed that comes mostly it's imported, or all of it's imported, actually, from uh, Ethiopia or Burma. And um, because they're worried about other noxious weed seeds getting in with the product that they sterilize though they heat treat it and um in the 80s and 90s they heat treated it and it wasn't so bad and then in the in the 2000s they cranked up the heat a little bit more now it's like 250 degrees or something and so it really shortens the shelf life on this product so when you buy thistle seed you buy niger seed only buy what you're going to use in, in a short period of time i you know we kind of learned that because a lot of my customers being on the cape they go away because they're, they're cowards and they leave new england in the winter time and they go down to Florida. And then they come back and then they complain that, you know, hey, the birds aren't coming, they're not eating the seed any longer. You know, and then I said, well, how long, how long have you had it? You know, and then I'll, you know, they'll say, well, I got it like six months ago. And, you know, I said, do you, do you drink the milk that's still in the refrigerator six months ago? It's a product, <laughs> it spoils, you have to keep an eye on it. So my advice, tell your friend that if they buy an hydro seed, buy it in small amounts and try to buy it from a place that, typically sells a lot of bird seed. And then um, when you fill the feeder, don't top it off. If you fill the feeder and eat half of it, don't put fresh on top of all that bottom stuff will get really moldy fast. Kind yeah. of rotate that out of there uh, quickly. All right. Well, that's uh, good advice. And Mike, if I see my friend, I will uh, I will pass that along so that he or she will... Um, uh, <laughs> if you see your friend. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Just move that seed along and it'll be, it'll be fine, right? It'll, it, I mean, your friend's seed will be fine. My friend, yes. Yeah. Thank you, Mike. Talk to you next okay. week. You got it. Thanks. Yeah, bye-bye. Every Wednesday, Birdwatching Magazine sends an e-newsletter full of information of interest to birdwatchers, including recent news stories about birds, conservation, and science, photography tips, stories about places to go birding, bird ID tips, and much more. Best of all, the newsletter is free. Sign up today at birdwatchingdaily.com slash newsletter. Back to the mystery bird contest. And just to clarify the location of this bird, it breeds over most of the entire northern half of the U.S., along with most of Alaska and Canada, and winters down in Mexico and points south. Feeds on flying insects, which it catches in flight. And Warren is somewhere down in Georgia uh, with a possible solution to our mystery right here at our mystery bird contest. Good morning, Warren. Good morning. Thank you. Good morning. Welcome. Nice to hear from you. And, uh, Warren, you heard our clues and whatnot. What do you say our mystery bird is? I think it's a bank swallow. Bank, as in B-A-N-K, bank swallow. Nice job. Absolutely correct. Whereabouts in Georgia, if you care to say, Warren? Uh, Cumming, Georgia, a little north of Atlanta. North of Atlanta. All right. Well, Warren, thank you so much. Uh, nice job on that. Bank Swallow is the ID, and if you'll uh, stay on the line there, we'll arrange to send those prizes to you. Great. Thank you. All right. Thank you, Warren, down in, uh, uh, did he say Cummins, Georgia? I think north of Atlanta, correctly identifying the, our mystery bird, the Bank Swallow. Next week on our show, 
As you heard last week from our own Freya McGregor, there are many kinds of birders, and there are many kinds of birding. There's backyard birding, patch birding, adventure birding, and pelagic birding, for example. But how about slow birding? What would that be? We'll find out next week when we welcome Bridget Butler, a.k.a. the Bird Diva, a naturalist and slow birding advocate from Vermont, as our special guest. It'll be right here on Talking Birds um, next week. Meanwhile, just a reminder, if you'd like to chat or share observations and or photos and videos with other Talking Birds listeners, we have uh, just a place to do it. It's the Talking Birds Flock. And you can find it on Facebook at facebook.com. That's the Talking Birds Flock. Thanks to our amazing Talking Birds team, Debbie Bleacher, Freya McGregor, our assistant, Audrey Stack, and our producing engineer, Jesse Wilkins. I'm Ray Brown. See you next week. Ray Brown's Talking Birds. Made possible by the generous support of the Bird Watchers General Store, Orleans, Cape Cod. Birdwatchersgeneralstore.com. By Vortex Optics. With the VIP warranty, their unlimited lifetime promise to keep you and your optic covered. Learn more at vortexoptics.com. And Beautyo Books, an independent, family owned bookstore carrying one of the largest selections of birding books in the world. Beautyobooks.com. By Birds and Beans Shade Grown Bird Friendly Coffee. Birdsandbeans.com. And by Ocean State Bird Club. We're running new online talks about topics like owls and cuckoos to enhance your birding skills. Learn more by following us on Facebook and on our website, OceanStateBirdClub.org.